Hello, podcaster. It's Charlie here bringing you another episode of The Business of Podcasting. And in today's episode, I am joined by Adil Amazi of the Adil Amazi Unplugged podcast. Now, apart from podcasting since 2014, Adil is also an incredibly talented copywriter, and we do speak a lot into that into this episode. Specifically, there's two things I really took for this episode that I think can add a lot of value to you as podcasters. So number one is we talk about titles and I think podcast titles are something that doesn't get enough attention and when you think about it, when someone has their phone in front of them and they're scrolling through for what episode they're going to listen to or potentially listen to, the title of that podcast is a huge impactful thing. So if you can improve the titles of your podcast, you're also going to drive up the number of people who do tune in and check out your show regularly. So in the episode, he shares his view on titles And then he talks about some ways you can create better titles and some triggers you can use to improve the titles you create for your show. So really good ways you can take away and just instantly improve those titles. The second part is storytelling. And I think storytelling in podcasting is only going to get bigger. So Adil shares his framework for coming up with stories and structuring stories. But then he also shares more importantly, in my opinion, when to use stories and how to bring them in the conversation with interviews or when you're doing them on your own as a solo episode. So just to know when to use stories, really impactful, but then actually the framework for stories as well, which was, I think, really powerful for podcasters as well. So let's get into this episode. But before we do, I just want to remind you that we have some killer resources up on the Valor Media website. If you haven't headed over to there already, I would encourage you to check up our, or check out, I should say, our 11 pillars of a highly profitable podcast. This is a resourcing guide I made earlier in the year, which I think stands to have a huge impact. So head over and grab that resource. Let's head into the episode and check out this episode with Adil. Welcome to the podcast, Adil. How are you doing? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it's my absolute pleasure. I was uh, naming this earlier. It seems we know so many of the same people. It is actually crazy this hasn't happened earlier or before. It's a, it's a very, very small world. Uh, but finally, so happy we've been able to make this happen. Oh, so likewise. When uh, Unfortunately, we had to reschedule slightly. I was like slightly panicked, but now I'm glad that we did because the setup just seems a little bit more perfect for me today. Excellent. Well, the world's kind of calmed down a bit since the last couple of weeks as well, so we can just slow down a little bit and enjoy this podcast. Now, it's Agreed. it's quite rare that I have uh, someone on the show who kind of fits into two camps. And what I mean by that is that uh, they have a podcast and then they also specialize in a skill that actually helps podcasters. And this is this kind of unique uh, world you come in where it's like you're a podcaster yourself, you have Adil Amazi Unplugged, which is your own podcast itself. But then on the other side of things, you're quite a successful and talented uh, copywriter, which is something that is used constantly in podcasts where it comes to show notes, whether it comes to writing titles for our episodes or actually within the content itself. So just for a little bit of context uh, for the listeners that are out there, just tell us a little bit about uh, what you do and then also your podcast. Okay, sure. So I have been a direct response copywriter since 
I'd say professionally since I went 18, but I've actually been doing it since I was 12 years old, if not younger. Uh, you've read some of my story, which is cool. Uh, but the long and short of it, basically, I've done it for most of my life. And my whole fascination with words and how to get people to do things and be influenced by words and opinions, it fascinates me to to like no end. So, of course, whenever I write, whenever I write for a client, they usually tend to be like experimental pieces that I'm actually sending out. Like they're proven winners. I know what I'm doing, but I just love the idea of experimenting with um, a new audience, seeing what words work, what kind of hooks work, what angles. And of course, the birth of my podcast. Um, so Adam Marcy Unplugged has been around since 2014, which is the strangest feeling ever. Like when you th- when I think about how long I've been doing this, like podcasting for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, the first two years were a challenge. I'm not going to lie. Uh, specifically because I would record shows, but I never had a process in place. So I'd record a show sporadically and then kind of put it out and then not. And then we had a team of people that came in that hired, one of my first hires. Uh, they were releasing six to eight episodes every week, like on a day. They wouldn't actually release one episode a week. They were releasing like six to eight every week. And I was like, oh, this is going to ruin so much good content because it was like dropping about 40 episodes um, in the space of two months. It's a massive amount of content to produce and publish in a very, very short amount of time. Oh, they were pre-recorded, but it was just the case of like how quick, because they were just trying to get them off of my clearing system rather than spacing them out and scheduling them like they asked. But eventually we got a system in place. So right now we release every Friday, which is brilliant. But um, the whole reason this whole, whole show started was one was because I don't know if you I don't know if you remember like uh, about a decade ago to about 2014, nearly everyone and their mother wants to be a guru. Like everyone's like, look at the guru online. It was like the big word. It was like the big word in the digital marketing space. Absolutely remember that time. It was a fun time, by the way. But it, it certainly it was. It was a wild west time. Oh, no, I was going to say it was a while less, but please continue what you were going to say something that you're remembering. I, I just think that it was such a fun time to be on the internet because, um, yes, it was definitely the the Wild West. Like I myself have been on the internet, oh, I'd have to say over 10 years now. Um, and I remember this time, but it was like it was such an age of discoverability and like you really could like, I suppose, just push so many boundaries where I feel like in today's environment, it is uh, almost legitimized. Being an internet entrepreneur is like, I'll put it this way. I never, ever would have thought ever that someone who makes things for the internet has more of a stable income than a restaurant owner. And that's actually the time we live in right now. So it's like the worlds have massively shifted. Oh, yeah. And the craziest thing is back then, do you remember how easy the mindset used to be that you could make a million dollar launch actually happen? And today, like, I don't know what I don't know what's changed, but all the work that goes into making a million dollar product launch today. I don't know about you, but it seems like 10 times harder than it used to be. Like the old way was like, oh, what are you going to do? I've got four videos. It's a two-week launch process. I put it on, um, oh my God, what was what was Mike's site? It was a JV, it was a JV watch list. So you'd put your stuff on there. You get a crap ton of affiliates by the end of the next day. And then basically two weeks later, you got like these crap ton of affiliates sending you a crap load of traffic. And that was basically how you made a million dollars back in the day. It was like so simple because everyone had like a sprawling list of like a hundred thousand people. Like it's crazy how many clients I worked with back in the day where they only had like, um, they were like that, that small list was 10,000 people. 
Like that was that was a very common thing. But anyway, I'm getting off the topic. The whole reason I actually started the show was I knew a lot of these guys because I wrote for them. Um, so to give you guys an idea about who I am and what I've done, um, one of the other things that holds the high accolade in my books is in the last 12 years, we've done over seven. I, I personally helped my clients make over $700 million with just my work alone, my consultations, and then like teaching them what to do, how to put the strategies together uh, around copy. But the way I got to that point was I got really tired of the guru world, like really sick and tired of it. So I was like, that's not you. I know you. You're a giant goofball. We hang out all the time. We had a 20-minute laugh session while watching How High the other night, and we were both sober as shit. This is like, this is exactly where my brain was going. I was like, can we not bring them out? Because whenever I speak to you, I get like 101 ideas, and I give you 101 ideas. Can we not start a show where we just have that discussion? At the very start of my show, I think I called my show the Lifestyle Hero Podcast, which is just ick and gross and wretch-worthy. It, it, it was a terrible name. Uh, credit to Jason Moffat for getting me to change it, though. Uh, JMO got me to change it, and then I went with Adel Marcy Unplugged. And the whole reason for that was Joe Rogan. So that's basically how I got into podcasting and what my copywriting is. So it really kind of started as a way for you to have the conversations that you felt weren't necessarily being seen by most people. So the real version of who people were portraying to be or presenting in their marketing online. Right. And this was around just, and I've got like a crap load of these happened to me where I kind of start, I'm I'm at the very start, I'm going to sound like a fucking hipster, but I start at the very start of a trend right before it becomes mainstream. So for back then, no one was preaching authenticity, but that was one of the first things I said. I want to show the authentic you to your audience, like I know you, as if we were in a bar getting a couple of drinks and someone just happens to listen in. That's who I want to have on my show. And um, yeah, it's crazy. Same thing happened with story selling, by the way. I don't know if you know this, but like mid-2015, everyone and their mothers and brothers started saying the word story selling. Oddly enough, a couple of months prior, actually, like sorry, the year later, everyone was doing it. 2015, I ended up buying the domain story selling blueprint. I was like, Ah, I'll just build something around this. And then everyone in their mothers and brothers was using that term. I was like, God damn it, why? Well, it's been even a, I say, don't get me wrong, podcasting is a massive trend, but I certainly see in the last few years when it's like we've got story brand from Donald Miller, and then we see a lot of copywriters and even just the content that's being produced and put out these days has become very story driven, where it's like it used to be very- Oh, it's fantastic. It used to be all like features and benefits. Like every piece of uh, copy or content put out there was like, this is what it is, features and benefits. And now yeah. like you get to enjoy it so differently than you uh, did once upon a time. Agreed. It's one of the things I keep telling my clients all the time um, is one of the craziest things with having clients that are direct response savvy. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but like, do you know when you read a sales letter, it's mostly to do with... Uh, them it's like it's all about you here's all your benefits very little about me the story dynamic that i've seen that's worked is you almost have to shift that to a 50 50 where half the letter is you talking about yourself and your story and how you overcame something and the other half is actually portraying how they could do it as well so it's like a it's this weird mishmash of crossing lines of different territories from going from one capture arc to another inside the same letter See, I, I, I really agree with that. And I think a big reason of it is much where you've mentioned before is like what, what I see online at the moment is that trust has become such an important element. 
Like trust yeah. has become the big thing. And like when it's all about them, but they don't feel like they can trust you or that you can help them solve their problem or whatever it is, like that can actually really push people away. So you might have a great story about someone else, but it's like it doesn't necessarily contribute to the sale. So I can see why that kind of flip has come to be. But um, one of the reasons yeah. I wanted to have you on this uh, show is because I feel like this is one of the things that's not necessarily spoken about a lot in podcasting circles. I feel like podcasters can get very obsessed with like the microphone, the lights, yeah. the camera, um, but the actual content and using stories within their podcast, I think is missed constantly. So what I would really love to know from your perspective that as a podcaster, how can we take advantage of stories and start to use stories within our own podcasts so that they can be more effective in delivering that trust value and I suppose also delivering effective ways of communicating value. Okay, so the first thing is that you have to be almost authentic to your cause. That's, that just goes without saying because if you're not true to your cause and you're not clear on your cause, you're going to stutter and mumble and screw up your introductions and screw up your call to actions and it's not good. It's going to have a feel. People feel things. Like our trust isn't so much, it doesn't end on words. Our trust expands to how we are, how we present ourselves and how we're seen. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole myriad of, uh, of psychology around that. But the way that podcasters today could actually go ahead and use um, copywriting per se in their podcasting and storytelling particularly is figure out how to weave your point into a story and how it's illustrated. So I'll give you, so right now by me even telling you this and then finishing it up with, let me give you an example is a key indicator of how a story works. So the perfect example for me would be um, how we did this for one of my clients, their entire story. It's a, it's a tax firm. Like they literally deal with taxes. Um, they hired me to write that copy. And one of the strategies we had that they had in mind was, how do I get my show out there on a podcast? Um, it's very local to them. Like I think they only wanted their region. They haven't really put their podcast out globally, but it's in the US only. Uh, but they represent California. And I think their show was something, they've probably changed the title now, but it was like two Californian tax attorneys talk shop or something ridiculous like that. They changed the title to something a little bit more catchy. But at the time, uh, all I told them was like, you guys have incredible stories, but you are so boring in your delivery. Like the, de the delivery was like, so, um, yeah, no, this happened today. And this, it's very newscastery. It wasn't very, there was no emotion to it. So what we did, we, oh, we that took is, the story. That is so funny. That was the exact example I was thinking of is that often podcasters, like the mistake in that authenticity element is they try to be the person yeah. on the news. They try oh, to yeah. be the reporters. No, never be that. <laughs> If you if you want to be a reporter, be yourself. And I think Frank Kern gave me the best example of this, which was uh, years ago, which was if you're going to be boring, own the fact you're boring. If you're going to be exciting, own the fact you're exciting. Whoever you are, just own that fact and run from there and people will love you. And it's true because they weren't the most exciting, but they had some of the most craziest stories. Like when I started digging into their stories, um, like they had dinner with Mike Tyson at one point. They went skydiving with one of their other famous clients who I'm not allowed to name. Um, they, they house sat uh, one of their famous clients' houses and almost burnt the damn thing down. Um, and they were like, if it burned down, that would look like I was creating, I was committing insurance fraud. And he was like, why? Is it because I'm his tax accountant. So, you know, we burned down a house. That's a personal write-off. And I was like, oh my God, okay, tell that story. And they went on. They would just tell these stories and giggle and laugh and 
eventually they just got to a point where they just felt like they were talking to their best friend. And if there is one thing I can say that copywriting and podcasting crosses over massively when it comes to stories, increasing likability, it's talk to your audience like is as if they were your best friend. I'm talking to Charlie right now. I've never met Charlie. I've had a good laugh with Charlie for the last 45 minutes, for the last, yeah, for the last 30 minutes. We've had a really good chat. We've had a good laugh um, just before the show. This is what it's all about. If you can actually create the likability factor in your audience um, by understanding how to tell a good story. And by the way, elements of a good story are it has a start, a middle, and an end. But specifically, the way that you throw them into your podcast would be start off with a point and then explain that point and finish up with kind of what I'm doing right now, which is an explainer, and then just finish with. And basically, that's how that point is. So let me tell you more about this other thing. If you're interviewing, um, one of the most likable things that you can do as an interviewer, and I know Charlie does this, is give your opinion. Don't just sit there and ask mindless questions. Give your opinion on what the person said. You'll realize that you'll ingratiate yourself with the person that's actually there. But more importantly, your audience will fall in love with you further as well. I, I really like the practicality of that, of using every time you bring up a point or your guest replies with the point is relating it to an example and making the example the story. Because it, it's yeah. a great way of bedding it in. Like it's one yeah. thing to make a point, but if you can bring it into a story, I feel like the understanding of that and that communication just goes um, to a whole new level. So, I mean, one of the things I would even go deeper into, like looking at how stories can be used from there, is there any specific tactics or strategies you have for thinking of stories that you could perhaps use in your podcast? Maybe if it was a solo episode or if um, yeah. uh, around that, we'll start there. Yeah, sure. Uh, I was just finding my little because I was thinking, do I? I was like, yeah, I do. Uh, so, essentially, what I have, and we discussed this, is my three step framework for finding unlimited stories. Like, shall we go into that real quick? Because this is how I find stories on my podcasts while I'm doing solo shows. So, what you'll say, I've never uh, done. What you'll notice that, uh, here is that this is like what I use as a segue. So, this was a setup. Ooh, you sneak <laughs> you just sneak you out of there. I'm glad we're keeping this in there because it'll be fun. Okay, so the, the thing that I have is a three step system um, on how I come with unlimited content. And the thing is, this doesn't just last in podcasts. This lasts in everything you do. Um, and it's so simple because once I teach you the structure once, you'll be able to apply it to each step of the way as you'll find out what I mean in a moment, and that will work for you. Now, the only downside and regret I have is I wish I brought a notepad and pen into the room that I'm in right now so I can illustrate this. But for the time being, let's use our collective imagination. Um, I want you to imagine a two vertical lines and a horizontal line that is around the same size of an A4 piece of paper. All right, I'm with right? you. Right. On one end, on the left-hand side, I want you to write at the top of that line, what was my defeat slash why do I do this? On the right-hand side, I want you to write down the words, my victory slash point of no return. And what I mean by that is quite simple. Everyone has a reason why they started to do what they're doing today. I have a reason why I kept being a uh, there is a reason why I stopped fighting, I stopped doing stand-up comedy, I stopped voice acting, I stopped cooking in kitchens, and decided to spend all my time understanding words. There is a reason I went through all these different career changes, simply because I wanted to go ahead and write things. I mean, I've, written, I've worked for myself for most of my life, but even in those elements, I tend to work for myself. Uh, I, I tend to at least do my own thing. But the reason um, I did that was I figured out what it is that keeps me going in, into copy. Just like I'm going I'm to do this as a perfect example, and Charlie has no idea about this, 
But let me ask you, why do you, why do you podcast? Like, what is your reason for it? Uh, good, great question, by the way. Although I'm meant to be asking the great questions. Um, I feel like that's a really <laughs> interesting, great question that I might take for my questions later. Um, but in all honesty, is that podcasting helped me at so many points in business. Like I can honestly sit there and like a lot of people can say, oh, I read a book on this and it really made a difference in my business or a mentor where I can legitimately go down and go, there's been several podcasts that have had just huge impacts in improvement in my life. And I decided like that was the effect I wanted to embark on other people. Excellent. Okay. So that's cool. So what was the defeat beforehand? What was the thing that hit you in the gut so hard that you were like, man, I need to disseminate my information into podcasting. And there is a, it doesn't have to be a direct before. It's like somewhere in your journey, there is a pain point that says, this is the delivery method I want to, I want to share. Yeah, well, in all honesty, we kind of, um, when you go into that, I was uh, invo- involved with the business and basically a lot of the things that were working kind of stopped working. So I'll give you some examples is like, if you go back five years ago, you could be almost terrible at Facebook ads and be successful. Like it just yep. was so effective. And then uh, email, like it was quite easy to get emails opened. And it was like this sliding scale of like all the stuff that was working just was getting harder and harder. And like we hit this point of, uh, acquisition was more I- expensive than the profit. So it's like, you know, we're running at a loss and I was like, we've got to change something up. And like podcasting was that thing that completely changed that business. Yeah, it's a game changer. Okay, so podcasting changed your life in that way, which is brilliant. Now, what was the point of no return? And the point of no return is that you did your episode, it could be the first episode of the podcast, but it's the episode that you did or something you recorded that made you go, you know what, I'm onto something. This This is the right way. Yeah, I I, uh, I completely even know this as well. Um, so if you imagine um, at this time, like sales calls are normally a, a big thing. Anyone who's done sales calls before where you get on the phone with someone and like you're going to take them through a script and a process, like it can be really hard, like really yeah. hard. Um, and I recall that anyone who listened to the podcast, it was like ordering a Big Mac, it was so easy. And I was like, well, I only want to deal with people that have listened to the podcast. Like uh, it's such a different experience and like I would be excited for the calls when I knew someone had listened to the podcast. If they'd written anything about the podcast in the uh, application, like it, it was on. Like I knew we were going to spend more time talking about the podcast than actually talking about the sales call or buying anything. Um, so yeah, but then on the reverse, if not, it was like dragging someone through glass. <laughs> as an analogy like it was just really really difficult so essentially you knew that once you got onto a podcast someone had listened to your show the chances of them becoming a client or customer were significantly higher than if they hadn't prior massive and it's far more and it's far more enjoyable for you so you're like so i'm guessing in your mind you might have said podcasting is so much easier and simpler for my clients i'm going to do more of this so when clients come on the call they'll know who i am they'll know what i'm like and they'll already have like a level of trust with me Absolutely. Essentially, it's a sales mechanism. So just as a quick side note to this, uh, by the way, side notes are brilliant for actually getting stories out there as well. Uh, one of the ways I have this as a comparable is um, I realize I get my best clients from podcasting, but not like not because I've actually sat down and had other people listen to my show. That helps as well. But my actual guests, they end up hiring me at the end of the show going, can you look at my sales? <laughs> Could you do this? I'm like, yeah, of course. So you build a great relationship with people. I mean, it's one of the reasons why, you, as we said, we've 
got so many friends in common that we've never actually been on each other's shows. And we've got to oh. remedy that by getting your mind. Well, I'll just have to go to my own quick side note. Hint, hint, guys. This is how you can do stories. The first podcast we ever did, or I ever did, uh, we made 100 episodes, two episodes a week for a year. And funnily enough, what? we got zero leads from the podcast. Zero. Um, I mean, that's still one of my like biggest failures for, as podcaster, but learned a lot from it. But funnily enough, we killed it with the guests. Like they became our JV partners. They became clients. We did deals with them. We made acquisitions. Like it was just actually like the most brilliant relationship builder. And that's what justified the show. When you spend 30 to 45 minutes being honestly true with someone, yeah, you get to have a lot of fun with them. They get to know, like, and trust you. But to answer your question a little bit further, like going back to the system. So we already have your origin story, which is, Everything was drying up, things were becoming harder, and podcasting was kind of like the salvation tool that we threw as a Hail Mary, point of no return. My clients come on every time I realize I speak to them, that they've like, if they listen to the podcast, oh my God, it was like a happy day sales call. I knew I was going in, my confidence levels were high. When they didn't listen to the podcast, I showed them that like, the conversions were pretty terrible, not terrible, but they were harder than they were, as you said, dragging them through class. No, they were terrible. We can go with terrible. I'm fine with that. Okay. <laughs> they were terrible. So the step, third step is you want to basically chart out what it was at step one and what it is at that point in no return and chart out what steps you had to go through. So as you just mentioned, we launched a show for a year and had 100 episodes that got zero leads. That's step one, like or step three rather. Step one was finding the right equipment. Step two was doing this. Step three was doing this. Step four was failing. Step five was figuring shit out. Step six was understanding more stuff step seven was this step eight was another thing and step nine was we actually had a format nailed down where i could actually do um phone calls and podcasts and stuff like that but there's there's all that stuff that you could really do and it's like our customer base went up because we were doing this in a format that worked now that's just a quick overview of 10 easy steps you can write content around that and you're like oh it's just an episode i can do 10 episodes but you said it would be unlimited at all well yeah it is what you do is you go back to step one and go Okay, step one, I had problems with equipment. Okay, what was my defeat with this? I ordered like three different microphones and they all sucked. Okay, what was my point of no return? My friend sent me a Yeti mic and I just absolutely loved it. Okay, what were the steps between me getting shitty mics and my friend sending me a good mic? Well, okay, and then you write down 10 more bits. And now you've got like on each of those 10 bits, you can run the same damn thing. Now, just, you be like, just before we move on, I, which I think is so brilliant here. Can you please just repeat those two questions? So the the beginning part of okay. and then the end part. We want to make sure we have this nailed because I feel like okay. this is very important. It it is okay. So step one is basically asking yourself uh, or your customers. If you're if you're doing what I do, but like for a great story, just ask yourself what was my greatest defeat that led me to where I am today. Like what was that big sticking point the way I look back at my own history, my own legend, people go, that's a milestone that changed him. Right. So we're writing or out that. a list of there and you've used a couple of good examples, which I think is fantastic. And then the second one. The second one is what was the point of no return slash your victory? Meaning the point that you knew that you couldn't go back to the way things were. To quote the movie Limitless is every entrepreneur and every podcaster, in my opinion, should listen to, should watch. It's a great movie. Uh, there's a quote that Bradley Cooper says, which is, there comes, mo there, there comes a time or there come a few moments in your life where you know you've made it, you've crossed the bridge that you can never uncross. And that is essentially what you want as your step two. What was the bridge I crossed that I could never uncross? 
now I know the truth. And then step three is, how did I go from defeat to this victory? Because that victory, by the way, doesn't have to be today. That victory could have been two years ago, but that was the point of no return. Now, that's your base level content. For your advanced stuff, what you go is from that base level of victory to today, and you modernize everything else that you do by using the exact same system between that point, which is classed as a defeat now, and your new victory. Excellent. I can see you can almost like splinter this out as well. Like you can pull. um, That's what you do. I really like that. So you use the exact same two questions on every. So like I said, when you're charting out the steps of how you did it. So imagine you've got this horizontal bar chart of all these different steps. Directly underneath it, you can take like say step three, which is getting my first guest. You can pull that down into its own thing and go, okay, what was the hardest thing about getting a guest? How did I know that people would always love me and come onto my show? Okay, what were those steps? And then you've got like 10 more steps. Now you can pick step three from five, like 5.1. You can go step three and that's it. That's like 10 more con- pieces of content. So in the shortest space of time, you can end up with anywhere between 100 to 500 stories of different things you can tell. And you can tell the stories in different ways from different vantage points and angles. Um, and a perfect example for this is I, I, I've used this exact structure for eulogies, by the way. Um, when I was talking about a friend of mine, that, uh, not the friend that passed away recently, but a friend of mine years ago, uh, when I was giving his eulogy, I had to pull in some stories and like to make people laugh because that's why he asked, like, that's the reason why I was asked to do the eulogy was because A, I was one of his closest friends, but B, I knew how to make the audience laugh. Specifically, I knew more stories about the guy that, that died. So I just went on and just went, okay, what's a really good defeat of this? I remember when his girlfriend left him and he thought the whole world was going to end. But I remember when he came himself back and this happened and I told the story from start to finish. That's the thing that got the entire crowd hooked. And they left that few, they left that eulogy feeling like they knew the person better that had passed away. But more importantly, they couldn't stop laughing at some of the ridiculous things they'd got into. It's like a, it gets it's a really powerful things. concept. And it's like when you kind of, I suppose, step back from it and, and look at it from an overview is that it's got like that, you're likely to uncover where someone is struggling or the beginning point in the first part. And then the point of no return or the victory is very much leading you into the end of the story. So as you kind of flush through that, it will round out yeah. the whole story. It's a, it's a very, very clever, like um, what they call them, linchpin points. Like it will make, Definitely. it will come through. Definitely, but one thing I was, as a fair warning, I'll say to someone, you don't have to use the entire concept in a single sales letter or a single episode. This is like unlimited amounts of content, so you can pick and choose what you want to have. You can combine two or three pieces and make one unique piece if you want to. But it's a system that provides unlimited content to you. Yeah, it's like, it's like a discovery tool. It's not like a fill-in-the-blank, this is how you write a story. Like That would be a completely yeah. different type of thing, where this is more yeah. the how do we create the right stories or discover the stories that might be the most interesting to our audience. Basically, how do we build the concrete that binds the structure to into a building rather than just being an empty structure? Yeah, I like that a lot. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit here because I think there's something you can provide a lot of value on that, honestly, this is one of the things that drives me nuts with a lot of podcasters is podcast titles. Um, I think they intentionally (laughs) go, how can I make this sound terrible and make sure no one listens to this podcast. And then that's what oh, they yeah. put up I'm there. I'm the king of these. <laughs> <laughs> I joke about this. No, I, uh, I've i got a whole list of stuff that I need to go back and put my own titles to for my own episodes because um, my team don't 
do those and then I forget to do them. And then now we've got a new SOP for 2020 where we're putting the titles in. Um, but yeah, people miss a huge opportunity, including myself, of getting SEO tags, but more importantly, how to actually get your audience really involved, where your audience really wants a good reason. So um, I'm guessing, was your question like, how would someone actually write their headlines? Like what are some things and ways they can actually write their headlines for their podcast titles? Yeah, so what I would uh, really love is like, one from your point of view is like, um, how should they be thinking about headlines? Right, like okay. how can they write a headline? And then secondly, like what's your view on or opinion on like what a good headline could be or maybe some cool. examples we could use that. Okay, cool. So I'm going to go ahead and say we're going to do uh, a third step first and then go visit the other two. And the third step is I'm going to tell you uh, just two words to never use in your headlines ever, like as far as it goes. Uh, don't tell an audience they're about to learn something, L-E-A-R-N. It is a devil word. It will turn people off. Like it just turns people off. Um, some people get turned on by that. That is the whole thing. Yeah, learning, education. But I got to tell you, the majority of your marketplace really don't like that word. It's, got a, bo- it's got a boring it. connotation. It just does. <laughs> it, it does, but psychologically, I can tell you right now. Uh, so I paid to have these done. Like I paid to have a neurologist look at someone's brain while I was getting them to read copy. That's the extreme I went to when I was younger that I could actually afford to do so. Um, why well, say that? Like I'd, I'd, I had uh, connections and silly money to spend at the time when I was younger. Um, so essentially, it's, so if you ever want to hear a really ridiculous story of how I spend my money, I will one day do an episode of all the stupid things I paid for. Uh, this just so one, you know, but, I'm resisting the urge to dig that point because it sounds like such an oh, interesting story, but I really want to oh, make sure we cover these headlines. I, that, that's, that's, that's what I mean. That's why I said I'll cover that another day. If we have time, we'll cover a few of those uh, purchases. But specifically, what happened was um, when we had people go through that word learn, what it does, it signifies... It's a, so you know how Tony Robbins likes to say, you either are moving towards pleasure or running away from pain. Definitely. Um, school sucks. It's an internment camp. Most of us hated it. Most of us would never go back, or never go back, even if you paid us an obscene amount of money to spend seven years going through the schooling system again. We just yes. would. I mean, think about the amount of papers you had to write, and all the tests, and the bullying, and the shit stuff that you had to deal with, and not being able to go to the bathroom whenever you felt like you had to wait and put your hand up. Just the whole ridiculousness of it all. Because of that, you're now like one of the big things with school is. It's a learning institution. Learn. You get taught to learn. You get taught. There are teachers. These are all things that trigger the subconscious need to run away from pain. So when someone reads your letter and they see the word learn, that starts to niggle back here, which means that your sales argument could be so logically and emotionally impactful, but that word holds them back. And that's all we've changed in sales letters in the past and the conversion rates have quadrupled. So firstly, get rid of the word learn. The second word that you want to have all the time that you don't, that you kind of want to get rid of, I still am guilty of using it, it's the word that. People overuse the word that in their sales copy and in headlines. So one of the easiest ways, so going back to your original point, the way that I view headlines that um, you should think about writing headlines would be find the most profitable hook of the person. So if you're doing something where you're trying to promote it and you're doing like a live show, go to their bio, find out more about them, find out how they want to be represented and then represent them that way. So for instance, um, 
So for Charlie, I, if I was interviewing Charlie, my headline would be, actually, my headline for that would be like podcast colon Charlie. How do I say your surname? By the way, I haven't even asked. Vala is how you say my surname. Vala. Yeah, Charlie Vala. That is like the most badass name ever. Sorry, just this. Um, <laughs> Bond, just this James Bond. No, yeah, um, pretty much Vala, Jane, uh, Charlie Vala. But no, if I was writing yours, it'd be something along the lines of for us. It would be a podcast, um, Charlie Vala, and then the sub headline, like the main headline to that, would be. Um, so, say we talked about podcasting and like getting sales from it is how to uh, how to build relationships get more sales and create an absolute uh, how to uh, how to create relationships how to bring in more sales and how to bond with the audience at an unbelievable level using podcasts that would be a headline i would use because that's quite powerful people want to know those three things they want to know how to build an audience they want to know how to get more clients and they want to basically make the audience fall in love with them so that's one way the other way that if uh, if I was writing the headline for this one, it would be something along the lines of uncover how to create unlimited content uh, while being entertained with stories with Adam Marcy. Like that's another way of doing it because I'm giving the benefit of what the big thing we could get, but I'm also keeping it entertaining in between, so they don't feel like they're just coming onto a show to pick up one skill, rather than coming here to be entertained and pick up multiple skills. Um, and hopefully laugh and giggle every so often because, you know, I like doing that. But essentially that's point one is how I think about them is I find the So the formula for this would be benefit. But so it'd be a benefit. It would be, um, audience, audience, uh, results. Like they want ahead in advance, like result in advance and then something to tie it together. So it always works in threes. If you're doing a two, then you want to have a really big thing that you promise and a small thing that kind of accompanies it. So it could be three ways to get unlimited, like the three-step formula for unlimited content and some incredibly fun stories on how to use them in your business. So it's two things I'm selling, but they're very, very simply interconnected. What was your second question, by the way? Because I remember the first one. Like, we have, to, we have to take a quick segue because this isn't rehearsed, but funnily enough, like um, we manage quite a few downloads at Media. We across a lot of podcasts that we manage for clients and our own. And time and time again, after a lot of testing, there are three things with headlines that consistently work. So number one is how-to headlines. Like very, Mm -hmm. very clearly, like how to do something tends to do well. Number two is result headlines. So uh, last week I did a podcast with Tim Sulo and it was the results from spending $200,000 on podcast sponsorships. So result-based headlines do really well. And then the last one, curiosity-based headlines. And uh, if we nail a version of maybe one, two, or all three of them, they have done far better than any other style we've done. And I just felt you spoke really well into that without any rehearsal at all. I wish we did. It could have been. I used to say I make this shit up on the spot, but I'm going to give you guys a headline that captures all three of those. Shall we we try that challenge of fun stuff? Yeah, let's do it. So you got how to curiosity and results. <coughs> so how I would write this headline would be something along the lines of, uh, hold on, let's see. Who are we interviewing? Can we just make someone up that we're interviewing that's somewhat of a celebrity in our industry? Shall we go with, uh, I'm going to pick someone like maybe, let's go James Shremko. I think we probably know both okay, James. James. Yeah, James. Okay. So if I was going to have James, I've already had James on the show, but if I was right to rewrite his headline, it would be something along the lines of, 
discover how to build an automated sequence uh, build an automated business that allowed me to free myself and bring in a seven a healthy seven figure income all by simply using one piece of software do you know what you know james well uh, you do keep an eye on him to say that but it's it's very interesting to combine that, that was all made up fyi I, i've not actually spoken to james for like a year and a half so the fact that i'm remembering this i'm like self five brains for remembering that Oh, excellent. So really um, bringing multiple elements in. Um, is there yeah. anything, uh, so that's the component of that. Is there anything you would caution people to stay away from? You've already mentioned uh, learn and that, but is there anything else to consider? Don't do what I just did. Don't do the whole thing where you're combining three together. That was just more or less to see if I could do it. But in reality, you want to lead with one of the three because if, you're, if, you, if you try and do too much at one time, you end up confusing your audience. So if I wrote something like, uh, for me, it would be some, like three different headlines for an interview. It would be how uh, using the same thing, which would be a three-step structure. Like if that was the main thing that we did here, let's just say that was it. It would be uh, discover how to, uh, how you can get unlimited content using a three-step formula by a world-class copywriter. That's one. Two would be um, how this three-step formula generated over $350 million in four years for this copywriter's clients. Um, the true numbers I said was 700 million, but like halfway through, I figured out a formula that incorporates a story and it doubled my results in half the time, which is kind of fun one. That's, a, that's the first headline. Discover the formula I figured out that doubled my results in half the time, taking me 350 million, 700 million for my clients and all the lessons in between. Fairly long headline, but you can shorten that down, it works. Um, but we use all three. So that's the big cautionary tale is don't combine as much. Combine if you're comfortable, but run with one until you feel comfortable enough to move in with two and three. So just to, I suppose, dig a little bit deeper into that. If someone's yeah. a beginner with copy or content in general, start with one and like nail one and make sure it's like clarity. Go for clarity above all else. And as you yeah. build more experience, you might bring in a second element or trying to use two or even three of them at once, but still making sure that we don't confuse the headline or try to do too much. We really want to make sure that it's very, very understandable by the audience. Yeah, massively. And one other thing I'd say for new people, um, you're going to write about a hundred-ish headlines before you find one. Don't get frustrated. I mean, it's going to sound really stupid because a lot of people think they can nail a good headline in one or two it takes a long time. Like I can nail a good headline in one or two takes. And the only reason I can is because I've been writing sales copy daily since the time I was 12. So that's 18 years of experience beating you out every day. But at the start of my career, I still wrote 100, 200 headlines every time I wrote a sales letter. And the reason is because it makes you think of different angles and get more clear on your path. The best example is imagine you're cooking a, uh, a steak sauce or something like that. You're making sauce on uh, on a, on a, on a, basically in a kitchen. I'm forget stove, stove. I can not remember fucking one for stove. So you're making a sauce on the stove. You got to let that shit like cool and concentrate and become a stronger flavor. You cook it down. You let it basically disseminate into a saucy type flavor. And that's what copy is. Initially at the start, when you start writing these headlines, it's a bunch of ingredients that you're letting simmer down and cook. And the more times you write it, the more uh, you become clearer and more advantageous and the craziest thing is that you'll start thinking about four or five different angles by um the 50th or 40th headline and so it'll that, just be brilliant 
So that's a that's a quite a large task to write out 40 or 50. But what I think is interesting there is I will bet that every podcaster that listens to this show, and I'll bet heavily on this, would be lucky to write three. Oh, no, I, I would imagine. So this is the reason I said the 100 was because I know you'll get three, you'll get bored and be like, ah, I can do this another time. You could. But I'll tell you right now, honing down your ability to gain attention with just a headline will be one of the biggest investments of your skill. And by the way, if you're wondering, uh, how long is it going to take? Honestly, you can get 100 headlines down in three days. If that, like, it's not hard. They don't need to be good headlines. That's the other thing I want to tell people. They not they don't have to be them. They're like, okay, I'm going to spend 10 minutes thinking about this headline. Don't spend 10 minutes thinking about headline. The exercise is honestly in speed. I want you to write 100 headlines. If you can do it in a day, awesome. But just write 100 headlines around whatever it is that you're doing, podcast, uh, a guest, whatever it is. You'll start seeing patterns. And the crazy thing is you'll start slow. It'll take you a while. But by the time you get to the 10th guest that you're writing headlines for, you'll be able to nail it down in about 10. By the 30th or 40th, you'll be nailing down three. So you will get there. It's just practice. I, I just feel like difficult it's thing. so important, though, because um, something I, I've noticed, and I'll, I'll fill some people in from my perspective here as well. So, like, um, first off is I never write a good headline on the first day. It never, ever comes out on the first day. I normally have to sleep on it or I tweak what I thought was good and I wake up and I go, that was terrible and make it better the next day. Like it never happens on the first day for me if I ever write a headline. The second thing is though, I didn't fully appreciate how important it was to title the podcast well when it comes to promotion and email. Like a good titled podcast, when someone sees it on social media or from an email, like it dramatically makes a difference in how many people will actually listen to your show week on week. So if you're running ads or doing promo or social media, I think more time on headlines and value would serve you very, very well. Yeah, it's the old 80-20 principle. 80% of your results come from 20% of your effort and 20% of your results come from 80% of your effort or profitability. Your headline's the 80% thing. It's where you need to spend most of your time. And um, don't st- like we've given them three, but you guys can really. Uh, I think curiosity was the third type of headline that you gave. Play around with them, like honestly, play around, switch and play with them, and you'll see a massive increase. And that's something that, again, what that's one of the reasons why I'm going back and looking at over 200 shows and rewriting all the headlines in the next couple of weeks. It's just what we do. By the time the show comes out, hopefully, I've, I've done a fair chunk of them, but still. Excellent. I love that you're going back and putting that work in and like really putting to it. Although I will say this, you should have done up front, <laughs> but time oh, yeah. and everything that, else. No. Okay. Uh, I really wish I had. It was one of those things where I gave it to my team and then just got busy with client pieces for myself and forgot to do them. Oh, absolutely. It's happen- it can happen from there. Now, Adol, uh, we are coming to the end of our time here. One of the things I want to make sure we capture is like, where is the best place for people to come and find out more about what you do? And I know you've got some projects on the go. I don't want to name drop this one. I'll let you do it. But you've got something cool coming out around maybe thinking that might be worth mentioning at this point here. <laughs> Most definitely. So I have a new website called thinklikeacopywriter.com, which should be live and active by the time the show comes out. Um, essentially what, what it is is that it's a challenge that I've created. It's a small little challenge, 97 bucks. Um, well, what you do is we're going to be walking you through your welcome sequence and something we didn't get a chance to discuss on the show was how important emails specifically are to a podcaster and how they can actually grow their audience using so. Now, granted the, uh, challenge itself does have a couple of podcasters specifically in there. 
But this welcome sequence is a universal kind of situation that you guys can plug in, play and put into your own business. But there will be something specifically for podcasters in there that allow you to get someone that opts into your mailing list, gets through uh, being influenced, indoctrinated into your sequencing, how you think, how you establish authority and how you build um, a creative brand, essentially. How do you become uh, bonded to your list? So when that when your email comes through, they open and listen to it. Now, the other side of this, just so you guys know, you're like, oh, maybe I'll pay for something. There is a free show that I do as well on my Facebook, which is also titled Think Like a Copywriter. Um, if you're on the mailing list for thinklikecopywriter.com, you get an email three times a week at the very minimum from me that tells you uh, about 30 minutes before the show that I'll be going live. And one of these days, I will actually go live at the right time, um, which is a bit of a running joke in my in my community for the last um, couple of weeks. Every time I go live, Zoom will screw with me and not do it correctly. So then I have to, like, I'll start the show. It's supposed to be at 3 p.m. UK time. We end up starting the show at 3.05 or 3.10 most days. So I'm like, should I just change the time and just like start anyway and see what happens? But there is one day I'll start at 3 p.m. I feel, I feel like Zoom is just, um, oh, I'll put it this way. I'm, I'm having tolerance for the amount of bandwidth that is probably being used by it at the moment, particularly or in the last month or so. But um, yep. nonetheless, it is a rather fascinating way to go about it from there. But it's good to see that's all coming together. Now, yeah. Guys, we will make sure we put the links uh, to everything uh, Adol does in, in the description. So if you do want to come through and see Think Like a Copywriter or check out his podcast or his website itself, links will be in the description or wherever yeah. you are viewing this show. So we're going to wrap this one up from here. Thank you so much for coming on again. It's fascinating. I have a whole list of things on my screen to the left that I'm looking at. Uh, I think we got through three and there's so many more here. So we might have to do a round two on this one. I'm, but I'm, I'm always game. <laughs> Excellent, my man. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights, uh, particularly on when and how to use stories and then how to come up with the stories as well. I thought it was just particularly insightful. So thank you so much. This has been another episode of The Business of Podcasting. Thank you for having me. 